everyone. Welcome to today's episode of CBIA's BizCast. I'm Shannon King. Yesterday, I chatted with Pete Cena, CEO and founder of Digital Surgeons, located in New Haven. They grow businesses through interactive marketing campaigns, immersive digital experiences, and strategic branding. CBIA has been working with Digital Surgeons on our website and rebranding efforts for almost a decade. But this is the first time I met Pete, digitally, of course. I asked Pete about how he's leading his organization through this time, how the way work is done and businesses are run has changed forever. And he also talked about the new philanthropic Charity Connection website his company built with Connecticut state government in a matter of 48 hours. This conversation has got me thinking. Companies and organizations across the state have been making quick and innovative decisions in response to COVID-19, doing things that would have never been considered or done otherwise like manufacturing protective equipment, even though you know nothing about manufacturing protective equipment. The question now is, once the coronavirus has truly slowed down, a vaccine is created, and the shelter-in-place is lifted, what is your company or organization going to look like? Will it remain nimble, flexible, open to risk and challenges, doing things differently and improving communications and hitting KPIs and business goals once and for all? Or... We'll be back to things as usual. I challenge you to think about these questions for your business and for yourself as you listen to my conversation with Pete. Pete, how are you this morning? Really good, Shannon. Thanks so much for having me on. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I'm really excited to talk with you. You're the CEO and founder of Digital Surgeons in New Haven. How are you leading your company during this time? It's a great question, Shannon. I think the, the most direct way that I would answer that question is with compassion and beginner's mind is the sort of two things that come up for me. And what I mean by that specifically is um, it's an unprecedented time. You know, I've been a business owner and leader for, you know, over 14 years. And at this point, you know, I've experienced some things that um, I think many of us are experiencing as business owners or just sort of citizens of society where this is an unprecedented time. This is a global pandemic. So I think with all of this uncertainty and ambiguity, I think we have to recognize um, you know, first and foremost, how do we take care of our people? Because our people are always our greatest assets as any organization um, until we get replaced by robots, which I don't see happening anytime soon. Um, and then secondarily, how do we support our customers during these times? So really it's about being compassionate and understanding that, you know, many folks might have, you know, kids at home or, or require just different changes to uh, accommodate this uh, now remote only digital um, anxiety-filled time that we all face. So I would say compassion first. Um, that's, the, that's what really shows up for me. Yeah. For your clients, has anything changed about the way you work with them or um, service them? Um, because uh, you digital surgeons is a pretty uh, technologically advanced organization, and you know, depending on who your clients are, they might be a little less so. So, has anything um, changed about the way you interact with your clients? Absolutely, that's a fantastic question, Shannon. I would say the first thing that shows up for me is many of our customers. You know, we are helping navigate some type of a transformation. So, digital surgeons, for those that don't know, we're a digital demand consultancy, so we help folks navigate how to use marketing and technology and storytelling to grow their businesses or brands. So in a lot of cases, um, we're already na- helping them navigate a transition or a transformation. So I think the interesting challenge about this is, you know, we have some clients in the manufacturing space or in some industries that 
are not digital first, right? So the challenge I think that we first had to help our customers through is, you know, for those that have uh, field sales offices that are mostly face-to-face meetings, how do we help them transition to the remote economy, right? So the first thing we did for a lot of our customers is, you know, where are they going to be impeded from a communications perspective? So what I mean by that specifically is, do they do we need to arm them with tools like Zoom and things that, you know, folks like you and I, Shannon, we take for granted because we're digital natives. But I think a lot of organizations don't understand some of these tools. So the first thing for us is how do we arm them with communication readiness, um, specifically the tools and the channels and the platforms to make sure that they can continue to interact with, manage, and communicate with their workforce. I found that that was sort of the, the first few weeks of, of what we experienced as many organizations started to uh, institute work from home or work remote policies uh, where appropriate or possible. Um, luckily, most of the, the customers that we serve um, are primarily um, in the sort of knowledge economy. So they're not you know, factory workers or some of the positions that um, unfortunately cannot work from home. Um, so that was the first thing is navigating communications readiness. I think the second thing that we've had to, to help um, organizations with is really the difference between synchronous or asynchronous uh, communication. Have you heard that term? No, I haven't. I always like to ask that because it's, it's nerd speak sometimes, but for us, it's, it's sort of just part of the course. So synchronous communication is, okay, Shannon, you and I work together. We have to communicate. Let's schedule a meeting for 12 o'clock. I check your calendar or you check mine or I get with your coordinator or you get with mine, whatever it is. And we now have a calendar appointment where we're going to talk through something. Um, that's a synchronous communication. We are we're getting in sync at the same time in the same place, same time zone. An asynchronous communication would be me sending you a note on one of the many digital platforms. I won't go into them because platforms are diamond dozen these days. And that note might say something to the tune of, uh, hey, Shannon, I'm working on this particular project. I need to make a decision on these three items. Um, here's some of my thinking behind it. Um, you know, if, if we're peers, I might, I might say this is the decision I, I'd like to lead with or perhaps you know, this is what I'm looking for from you. And I'll ask for a very, very specific uh, input from you, whether that be a decision or um, an answer or whatever that might be. And then I'll set a, a parameter as to when I need an answer by um, in, in an optimal or ideal world. Um, and that's asynchronous. So it's sort of when you get to it, um, you can get back to me. And if, if I'm blocked on that thing, I'll move on to something else. So um, that sounds fairly trivial. But what we found, you know, working with clients ranging from startups to Fortune 500s is that this is a challenging thing because a lot of organizations use meetings as the, uh, the, the essentially the, the commonplace for where decisions get happen or where discussions happen. So um, what we're finding now is some folks have um, you know small children at home that they have to care for. They're not really able to do their job. You know you, you can't be writing software or um, doing you know complex digital strategy when you have you know a, a small child at home to care for because childcare is closed and and that's that falls on your um, choose. So we have to get creative with um, the time or the, you know, when people are able to to put in their work. And we're seeing that with, with our customers as well as with our teams. So what asynchronous allows us to do is, which remote companies do very, very well. Many remote companies that we work with, they have uh, large teams across multiple time zones. And essentially coming together, you know, as a, as a team, either virtually or physically, becomes more of a luxury. So those, those organizations tend to function asynchronously. So that, that's been a big shift for us too, is helping folks to 
navigate communication from either asynchronous to synchronous. And it's something that we've had to go through ourselves. I mean, we're a very collaborative organization. I know, Shane, you've been to the district in New Haven. Um, district campus is our, our tech campus um, where digital surgeons calls home. And we have this great creative collaborative space, right? So, so now with everyone working from home, we've had to accommodate those changes. So we're going through ourselves. And I think that being able to sort of be your own guinea pig or you know, eat your own dog food, whatever your, your cliche is, um, it's helpful because then you build empathy for, for the end customer who's struggling with that as well. So kind of a long answer to a short question, but I hope it's informative. Yeah, well, that brings up another question that I had. So um, Connecticut has been in, we're in week five, I believe, of our shelter-in-place order. So many employees that have been working from home at this point have found a groove and have the technological tools uh, that work for them. So running a tech, technology organization, what advice would you give to leaders? I start, You started to get into it, but what other advice would you give to leaders in a less technologically advanced industry or organization for successfully leading a team remotely and for keeping collaboration and communication high, even higher than it usually is in a normal office setting? Great question. So this, I think the first thing that, that I would offer is you have to first understand the nature of your work. Um, so depending on the industry or what it is that you do, uh, whether you're a professional services organization or a physical product organization or you're in the business of e-commerce, whatever whatever business you're in, I think you have to start there. And then you have to look at your greatest asset, your people, and understand what do your people need to feel supported? What do your people need to feel connected? What do your people need uh, to... Uh, empower them to be as autonomous as possible to make decisions and to progress in the organization. I think once you can break those down to some of the more simple, non-technical things, then what you can start to understand is, okay, well, what are really the problems that you're trying to solve? So, you know, one of those problems might be, um, how do we meet or how do we come together? Um, and there are many, many tools for that as an example. So, um, Tools like Zoom, I think, make it really easy for doing webinars or meetings. Um, I always recommend video chat where possible. Um, I do think that it's the closest thing that you can get to in person. Um, we also use a lot of digital collaboration tools uh, to sort of supplement the whiteboards or those types of collaborative thinking. Uh, so we use a tool called Miro, M-I-R-O, which I'm a huge fan of. Um, so I think technology, the problem with technology, Shannon, is that people jump into tech before they actually jump into the human problem or the human condition. So I think first we have to understand the nature of the work, and then we have to understand what's really required. But the biggest piece of advice I could offer to anyone that's listening to this podcast is do not try to recreate the office environment in digital channels. You know, um, whether it's you're using Slack or Microsoft Teams or Facebook at work, uh, whatever the tools are that you're using to communicate, understand and recognize that it's not going to be the same and that we are operating under a uncertain new undefined playbook. And I think that that is where organizations really have an opportunity to reframe how they think about what the next steps forward are for their organization. I know myself, um, I'm seeing uh, us being much more equipped to navigate these challenges because we do have a very flexible and have had a very flexible remote policy uh, with the organization for a while. So I think questions like this are really important for HR leaders or C-suite to understand what are your policies, what are your values, and how do those need to flex, shift, or evolve to be able to support this post-COVID-19 economy that I think we're, we're facing. And by economy, I don't just mean financial. I mean you know, everything from 
you know, how people are connecting, uh, the, the, the social distancing, what impact that that has on mental health, um, and communication. So those are just some of the things that are coming up for me. Again, I'm not an expert on it, but I think, you know, what we are an expert on is, uh, curiosity and creativity and how you can apply those things to grow businesses. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and you started to allude to this, um, a little earlier, but, um, I'll, I'll ask this in this way. So digital surgeons, uh, your new Haven office is located at district new Haven, which you, uh, you just described, but it's this really incredible campus with offices, co-working space. It has a gym, Bears Barbecue is there. There's a beer garden. It's it's really incredible. Um, so currently it is closed due to the virus because of the density of people working in the facility at a time. And I've asked a lot of people this over the past few weeks, but how is this virus going to change the way um, or organizations work and the way humans work and interact with each other? Um, and like what different decisions have you had to make about how your company is run or how you um, talk to your employees or work with your employees and what's going to change when you head back to district new Haven, when this starts to slow down and you head back to the office, um, what, what's going to change? What changes are you going to make? That's a fantastic question, Shannon. And I would say that for me, it really comes down to a couple of key pillars, right? So the first is, obviously physical. Um, the second is obviously financial. And then the third is environmental. And I want to just take a moment to, to explain that through that lens of those three pillars. So from a physical perspective, naturally, there's going to be a um, very interesting element that's going to happen when all the social distancing and shelter at home or shelter in place, excuse me, things do go away. I think you're going to see one some people are just going to immediately flock to one another because they just need that social interaction. Um, or two, some people are going to be much more adverse. I know myself, I, I don't, I don't think I'm going to shake anyone's hand um, for at least six to eight months from now. Sure. Um, you know, jokes aside, I, I'm going to do the, the, the elbow um, because you know, it's, it's a very real thing. So from a physical perspective, I think that uh, density is going to create some interesting social interactions once uh once we, we move past this, and we will move past this, and I think we all have to know that. Um, the second is financial. I think what shows up from a financial perspective is, for me, now is, th- this pandemic is the, you know, since the beginning of time, we've always had conflict or war with something. Um, this virus is invisible, right? So it's not a country versus a country um, or a belief versus a belief. It's literally affecting all of us. So whether you're the CEO of a global organization or Tom Hanks, or a person living below the poverty line, this COVID-19 uh, coronavirus is a equalizer for, for all of us as a society, um, irrespective of where we fit into a socioeconomic uh, status or class system. So I think that from a financial perspective, one thing that businesses and business owners really have to wake up to, so this is for any business owners or employees listening to this, um, wherever you sit in an organization in the role that you play, you have to think about the, the concept of value. You have to think about what I would call value capture as well as value creation. So value capture obviously is, is the value that you, you gain or you're able to capture from something. And then value creation is the value obviously that you're creating. Um, it sounds pretty trivial or simple, but it's really not because what I, what I think is happening now is um, people's purchase behavior. What we're seeing as a, as a marketing and a consultancy um, we're seeing large shifts in how people behave with, with their dollars. So you're going to see a large shift in 
how people spend discretionary income. You're going to see large shifts in um, every industry, quite frankly. Um, some industries that we're seeing uh, booming right now is any business that is direct to consumer or is able to deliver to someone's home safely and fulfill. We're seeing them grow like gangbusters. Any business that requires a face-to-face, so, so events, businesses, hospitality, tourism, travel, we're seeing these businesses get hit harder than ever. Um, we saw lots of client cancellations in, in those particular industries. So that was a, a negative, adverse, uh, you know, fiscal impact to, to our businesses um, that we that we had to navigate through. So I think financially, businesses are going to have to really wake up to how are people spending money and what is seen as value in this post-COVID-19 economy. So that's the second pillar. And the third pillar, getting back to your question around district, Shannon, is around this idea of environmental, right? So what I love about district, and I'm proud to be one of the partners in it, is that the environment that we provide at district is all about nurturing community and entrepreneurship at every stage in the entrepreneurial journey, from the founding and foundations of your company. Um, and we're really pleased that we have folks like Connecticut Innovations and, and other folks like that in the building all the way up to, you know, scaling up your business and getting to that, that next larger size. Um, so when I think about that creative, those creative collisions, I'm really excited for that environment to continue to exist from a co-working perspective. That being said, I think co-working now more than ever is going to skyrocket because it does two things. One, it provides all the modern day luxuries of a modern office environment, but also all the things that we know people want. So, with us offering regular deep cleaning to, to ensure that, um, you know, safety regulations and those types of things are happening because we don't want people getting sick. These are the kinds of things, all the operations, making sure the internet and technology, and all these things are in order. These are things that a lot of small business owners don't have the time, the energy, or the expertise to be able to support. So being able to create an environment where people can have uh, private office space so they can, they can have their distancing if they want, but they also have the community. That is, I think, an environmental shift that a lot of businesses are going to see. Also, with some folks downsizing or trying to cut back on rents from traditional leases, I do think that the, um, the flexibility of the month-to-month co-working um, is also something that a lot of um, more standard tenants um, or independents are going to appreciate. I also think right now you're going to see a spike in the remote economy, as we've already seen even before COVID-19. But what that basically means is that now, any business, no matter if you're located in Albuquerque, Cambridge, or New Haven, you can all take advantage of this global economy. So what that basically means is we have this amazing community in New Haven County and, and abroad in Connecticut, and now these folks can come to district, can be in, in our co-working space to be able to have all the, the modern-day uh, luxuries that you would expect, but also be able to have the privacy um, that they require and the types of tooling. Now, that being said... These things are going to move a bit slower because of everything with COVID. Um, but I do think that um, that environment of social connection where, you know, by design um, is something that I think I'm really excited for continuing to, to pick back up because we, we, we all have to get back to some version of normalcy once this thing passes and this, this too shall pass. Yeah, absolutely. I would agree with you. Um, so last thing I wanted to ask you about. So Digital Surgeons built the new 4CT.org website uh, for the new nonprofit Connecticut COVID-19 charity connection. So that was built for linking philanthropists, donors, and community foundations um, to the needs of Connecticut's residents during COVID-19. So tell me about that process and working with Governor Lamont and his team on this call to action. 
Absolutely. No, with, without a doubt. So, you know, the first thing I want to do is just express just my absolute gratitude to Ted Yang and Don Kendall Jr., who, um, you know, they're also from SCP, but really just the visionaries that, that they are to be able to bring together for CT. Um, you know, I wrote about this on a LinkedIn post recently, which I'll definitely um, send you so you can include in the, in the show notes. Um, but really, when I think about Connecticut COVID-19 Charity Connection for 4CT, uh, 4-CT.org, as you were mentioning, it's just incredible to see what's happened. I think, you know, the number right now that um, we're seeing out there is, you know, close to 13 million, I think, at this, at this time that we're recording this podcast. Wow. Um, it's just been so great to see the support from, you know, Governor, Governor Mont and um, also everybody sort of coming together during these unprecedented times. And I think that what this shows me is the power that entrepreneurs have to uh, to bring together philanthropists and and social good during these challenging uh, times um, that we're facing. So uh, it was it was just it was a dream to be able to get that call from Ted Yang um, on the weekend and just spring my team into action. Again, super grateful for my team at Digital Surgeons. You know, we pulled together a a brand, a digital strategy website and, and sort of the story um, in just a matter of moments. And again, that would not be possible without my team at Digital Surgeons. I have an amazing and brilliant team. Um, and then obviously the leadership from, from Ted and Don and, and everyone that's been participating in, in 4CT. So um, again, I think what shows up for me is just the power of collaboration, the power of compassion. And um, when you have a bias for action, which obviously Ted is all about action, all about progress. I think what, what him and that team have been able to do is unprecedented. And I think will be a story that will not just help Connecticut and the many folks that are affected um, at all levels um, from COVID-19, but I think what it will also do is show a new operating system for how people can come together with a shared purpose and a shared vision to really drive um, positive change to our, our society and to our communities as a result of it. So just really proud, Jen, to be a part of that and really grateful for uh, that opportunity to, to, to donate and uh, to put our energy into it. Yeah, absolutely. Well, congratulations to you guys for building this website and um, keeping this effort going um, during this time. And thank you for talking with me for a little bit, Pete. Um, it was really great to hear from you. You know, even during this really uncertain time, there are good things happening. And, you know, like you said, this too shall pass, um, even if it is a new normal for us. Um, so I wish you the best. And of course, I wish you health and your employees uh good health right now. Likewise to you. And, and thank you again, Shannon, for having me. Thank you again to, to Joe Bud and, and everybody over at CBIA that um, are helping make this happen. I think I'm, I'm really grateful for organizations like CBIA during these challenging times, you know, both as a member and longtime supporter of what you guys stand for. I think, you know, it's organizations like CBIA that I think are going to continue to provide um, strong amounts of value to businesses of all shapes and sizes uh, here in this fine state of Connecticut. So, um, the one thing I want to leave everybody with is just that change is the only constant. So whether it's a pandemic or any of the things that we're going to face, the one thing that we know will always be certain is that change will continue to happen. So I think the one thing we all have a choice in is how we respond uh, to that change. And with that, I want to wish everybody a healthy and positive rest of their day or night whenever you're listening to this. And thank you again, Sean. For the latest COVID-19 information, visit CBIA.com. Follow us on Twitter at CBIA News and on Facebook. Call us anytime at 
244-1900. Stay safe out there.